As I mentioned, today is Christmas Sunday. Our text is Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 14. But to read it in the text and context, we're going to actually read the first part of Gospel of John, verses 1 through 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in, in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received the grace of grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Gospel of John is known as a very unique gospel. The gospel of Matthew, gospel of Mark, and gospel of Luke are often called as synoptic, synoptic, synoptic gospels. In other words, from the same perspective they wrote it. So at, at the beginning of their each gospel, there is a story of Jesus' birth as the beginning of his life, earthly life. But John takes a different approach. As you've seen, seen this, his beginning is not birth of Jesus. His beginning is Genesis 1.1, the beginning of entire universe. Even before everything was created, John contends Jesus was pre-existent. And he gives a, a name, the word of God. 
Jesus, the incarnate word. Jesus, before he took the human flesh, he exists as the word of God. And some, so many scholars, you know, mentions uh, the reason for, for this. So why didn't he call Jesus the thought of God? Why didn't he call Jesus um, something else? But the word has the special meaning as opposed to other things, and it's a very clarity of God's word, the self-expression of God as a second person of the Trinity. And because of this context, the whole paragraph and verses 1 through 18 is prologue of John's gospel. Before he begins any stories of Jesus' ministry. Why is that? He has one thing in mind. His theme is Son of God. He's proclaiming Jesus was Son of God. The, son of, the expression of Son of God is different from Western world. But I guess the only, I mean, probably the easiest way to understand the expression of Son of God is when you think of a son of cows, it was cow. The son of dog, it would be dog. And Son of God would be God. He is proclaiming the deity of Jesus from the way in the beginning. And then even the stories that he presents, he takes a different approach. The seven miracles, the seven I am statements of Jesus. And verse 14 is right in the smack of it. Some theologians call it one of the most important sentences in the whole entire gospel. Entire four Gospels. So in that context, let's focus on verse 14. Unlike other messages, I'm going to be very upfront and straightforward about simple thesis of today's sermon. What's the main point? The glory of Christmas is God's glory shown in the incarnation. More simply, glory of Christ is the glory of Jesus Christ. So having said that, I think let's take different approach. What's glorious about Christmas? We tend to appreciate so much about Christmas. You and I both, are, we're looking forward to uh, this Sunday, celebrating Christmas with you. And tomorrow we'll have a get-together with my brother's family and sister's family in Valencia. It's always fun. And who could forget those Christmas music? And gifts and presents, presents and the yummy food. Cars, Christmas cars, and decoration. 
All those things are fun and wonderful. But when we are really looking for what is glory of Christmas, glory of Christmas is God coming down through incarnation and then God's glory shone through this babe. A human babe. But fully God as well. That's the mystery of Christmas. Verse 14 is, for that reason, it's very appropriate, a very helpful verse for us to celebrate glory of Christmas this, in this season. Let's read it again. Verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. There are four phrases that I'm going to present. And let's remember these four phrases gives us so much of insight about the glory of Christmas. The first one is the word became flesh. Jesus the word was and is eternal God and the creator. And nothing that was made, nothing was, was created has been made, it, made without him. In other words, Jesus is the creator. And it, it is notorious as some of the cults like Jehovah's Witness translate and distortion happens in, in the beginning was the word and word was with God. Word was in Jehovah's Witness Bible a small g God. But any honest uh, Greek scholars Koine scholars will know that in the context the reason why there's a the article not missing article missing there is purposeful by the author, namely Apostle John. God, Jesus was fully God. He's de declaring. But you heard that expression before. God became man. And there is a slight a danger of saying that. It's almost like a God abandoning his uh, characteristics, attributes, and changed his nature into become a God. No, this is one of the heresies over the Christian church. Jesus was God, eternal God and creator, and he took full human nature, but without being stopped without being, without ceasing to be God. And unlike some of the heresies also, Jesus took the flesh. Oh, he took our body, kind of shell. But inside, he's all God. And that's not true either. Jesus not only took the 
flesh that you and I have, but human nature, full human nature. Jesus was 100% God, 100% man. Not 50% God, 50% man. And here lies the mystery and, and glory of Christmas. Without this point, we could belittle Christmas. And even, even the syncretistic Christmas song will say, have a little Christmas. No, don't you ever have a little Christmas have a holy Christmas by realizing incarnation, the mystery of God's glory among us. J.C. Ryle was a bishop in 19th century in England, uh, British Anglican Church. He writes on this phrase, this insight. The Son, who, which is the Word of the Father, begotten from everlasting of the Father, the very and eternal God, and of one substance with, with the Father, took man's nature in the womb of the blessed virgin of her substance, so that two whole and perfect natures, that is to say, the Godhead and the manhood, were joined together in one person, never to be divided, whereof is one Christ, very God and very man. Whoa! So some, some, some reason, I think that our culture uh, has dumbing down theology so much, and then a lot of Christians will say, as a good joke, like, thank you, baby little Jesus. So it's, there is a sense that uh, uh, somehow, because it's a human baby, uh, it, it was a baby, and because we somehow honor him a little bit, but still not more than... Yeah, Lucky charm. If we realize Jesus was the very God and very man, and Godhead and personhood, manhood coming together, joined together, and get this, never to be divided. You know what that means? Even in heaven, Jesus has a resurrected body. Eternally, he will be the son. Unique man and God. Together, a second person of the Trinity. And the question is, why? Why did he come? Why, why was going through all this? And second phrase, 
the word dwelt among us. And this uh, phrase, dwelt among us, is intentional if you are uh, uh, a Hebrew studying the scripture in Old Testament, and you will get this right away. Because even the word dwelt has the dwelling in the tent, or another translation could be tabernacled among us. When was this? It's through the Exodus, going through the wilderness. And God delivered them and, and asked them, commanded them to build a tabernacle, tent, literally, and said, uh, so that I may dwell among my people. And Exodus is obviously foreshadowing of what's to come. The real thing has come. And Jesus himself is dwelling among people. The Jesus, the word, pitched a tent among us is one of theologians like a James Montgomery word, voice would say this. So true. Jesus, the word, came to give us life in him. And not only the life in him, and Jesus, the word, came to be the light that shines, to guide us. The whole thing about the Christian faith is unless sovereign God gives the Holy Spirit gives us the light to see, we will not see the glory of the gospel. So this morning, my prayer is that as we meditate on this one single verse, that our eyes will be open to the true glory of Christmas. And that true glory of Christmas will bring us joy, unspeakable Joy that surpasses all things in spite of the fact that you might be still grieving the loss, in spite of the fact that you might be still going through affliction and trials and speech impediment. You might have, you, it, you might have this joy beyond natural means of having happy things. Let's look at third phrase. We have seen his glory. When John says we have seen his glory, he has the glory of God in mind. In Jesus, we see the glory of God shown in the incarnation. That God the second person of the Trinity would take the lowly nature of human
Christmas is a time that we need to think about whether we are taking things for granted. This is one of them. Even if God the Father placed the righteous judgment in all sinners who did unrighteous things and sent them to eternal damnation to hell, God is still righteous, still just. But he would express his love toward us. Not in fury, but he has spoken the word and that word is fleshed out and he died on the cross for you and me. If you haven't been to the home group lately, our home group series is in worship. And the big two words that describing the series is gravity and gladness. On Christmas, the glory of Christmas brings us the gravity, the seriousness of God's holiness and our sinfulness, the reverent fear before the deity of Jesus, and gladness that God would love us so much that he would not only give his son, the son would Surrender and submit to the Father's will to die on the cross for you and I to be reunited, reconciled to the bosom of Father. So in some sense, this is a worshipful time, isn't it? The gravity and gladness becomes the two wings of our faith and joy and glory. Jesus' glory was the same glory, Shekinah glory of God's presence among the Israelites in the wilderness. And if you remember that Exodus study that we did in home group, in the tabernacle, holy of holies, and the holy place, the inner sanctum of that tabernacle, God dwelled. The visually dwelled with the pillar of cloud during the night, during the day, and pillar of fire during the night. And then anyone who comes in without proper preparation. Anyone who's not a high priest will be instantly dead. The Shekinah glory was the glory that was so marvelous. People saw the glory of God. They tremble. That glory was actually the, the glory of Jesus. So one of, one, one of the grace that God has given us is the hiddenness of God. 
hiddenness of that glory. That Jesus, when he walked on the earth, and he was just normal, like look at you, looking like you and me, even though he had it all nature that we we have. He was hungry. He was sick. He was uh, he would feel lonely. Temptations, but without sin. And that's why the virgin birth was so important. I'll explain that a little bit later. But do you remember the Mount of Figuration, Transfiguration, when Peter, James, and John, three inner circle of the uh, disciples are invited to come along with Jesus. And then on that mountain, these three disciples were trembling it's because they saw the glory of God in Jesus' face, shining and transfigured. And he was talking with Moses and Elijah. And then Peter looked at him. He couldn't even say a sensible words. And as they came down, come down, he's a, he's a transfigured glory, transfiguration ceased, and they were back to the normal day-to-day life. Well, you know what? But when we get to heaven, when we say Jesus to Jesus, forever and ever we will be in the presence of God's glory. And we will see Jesus face to face. By the way, I didn't have a time to explain all that, but I need to explain this. In the beginning, that word was with God. What's with God mean? And some scholars will say, with God is toward God, like face to face, interlocking eye contact which means deep intimacy. And that will be shared with every single believer. That we will be co-heirs with Christ. That we will have an intimate relationship with the Holy Trinity. This is a mind-boggling glory. And through spirits, Holy Spirit's regeneration, every true believer has seen the glory of Christ. I'm not talking about emotional experience, but spiritual awakening. To see the value of the worth of glory of Jesus through the gospel. That your eyes are open. So many of us have experienced that, if not all of us. And my invitation, heartfelt invitation to each one of you is that this is available without price because of God's grace. My prayer is that each one of us will receive that glory and that salvation through Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Second Corinthians four six 
Apostle Paul's words about seeing the glory. He says this, verse, uh, actually verse 5 and 6, For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ our Lord as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Fourth and last phrase of this verse, full of grace and truth. And this is interesting. And uh, I, I need to confess this because while I'm translating my brother's sermon, I had tremendous insight from, from him about this passage. The first of all, the obvious things, in Jesus, the incarnate word, we see the image and character of God, the essential character of God, which is grace and truth. The grace and truth. My brother Tim's uh, transcript on his sermon reveals this. The idea of grace and truth derived from Old Testament Hebrew words hesed and emet. Hesed we studied through uh, David's series, right? Hesed is simply put, God's loyal covenant love for each one of us. That he will love us unconditionally, not not based on our performance, but based on his loyalty, his faithfulness, that he will continually keep his promises, keep his covenant, even though we have broken our covenant with him so many times. So in Old Testament, is typically translated as steadfast love. And emet is truth, truthfulness toward himself. So God is being true to himself. So in other words, God is faithful. God is God changes not. God is continually faithful and congruent and consistent. So because of this, when you look at the New Testament concept of that is another way of putting it is a grace, undeserved gift from uh, through the cross and truth being true to himself. When you think about this, this is mind-boggling as well. Stephas of revealing in cross uh, through the incarnation and cross of Christ. And when we think about grace, oftentimes we go something like the oh, okay, undeserved free gift of God. Yes, but when you when we dwell on it a little bit, it will shake us down. It will impact us. It will change us forever. Why? Because grace is 
gift of free favor of God. But let's not only think about we cannot merit and deserve it, but what we deserve is the opposite of it. So imagine this. Somebody stole one of the treasures in, in your house. And that person got caught. Like lameage or off kind of thing, right? Uh, and then instead of giving him or her what the person deserves, you give them more candles and say, this is yours. This is grace. And Jesus Christ is a fulfillment of God's steadfast love and faithfulness. What he has been promising all through the Old Testament. So my brother Tim's insight is this. is actually Exodus 34, verse 6. The context is when, when Moses daring me, I pray, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Show me your glory, God. Basically, no one has seen God's face. And Moses, having been with God, and asking, show me your face, Lord. And then this is what the Lord has done. He put him in the cleft of the rock to protect him. And then he would pass by. So let's not think about this uh, personification. God is not, as in, doesn't have a shape. God is a spirit. But the presence, very presence of God, Shekinah glory is coming by, and he allowed him to see only his backside. And said this, verse 6, the Lord passed through before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. He is proclaiming the name of the Lord, his own name. And his own name is crystallized in steadfast love and faithfulness. That is what's full of in Jesus, the incarnate word. Can I, can I make a small confession? I had a tremendous temptation past few weeks to make this Sunday service, Christmas Sunday service light with warm and fuzzy and really short message that will blow you away. Paul could actually speak only that short. <laughs> and then I'm confronted by the sola scriptura, I'm confronted, my master, wh whom I want to and need to please. And this is a true glory of Christmas. 
that's been missing every year. And December 26th, Christmas dies. And so many families, their celebration parties going until December 25th. The glory of Christmas resides in us. The Lord Jesus, through his spirit, tabernacle, pitched tent within us. To have wonderful, holy Christmas, not just a little just a little Christmas. Um, three simple applications. How do we respond to the glory of Christmas? Number one, we need to see the glory of God in Jesus as the true glory of Christmas. And it requires faith, isn't it? Let's not try our merit to deserve it in somehow to compare ourselves to other people through morality through religious efforts through financial giving all those are good things but first and foremost the humility of beggar that's what happens. Glory of God shows up. But even the glimpses of glory of God the angel has, people, the first reaction was tremble. So that's why every, every passage in the Bible, when angel shows up, the first thing that he's, the angel will say is, do not be afraid. Fear not. But what's one thing that is common? The glory of God humbles us. The face on fall flat. That's how we we see the glory of God. And I I implied a little bit on this. Let's think about Christmas continues with believers. Have Christmas not not just merely celebra- celebrating it. The Lord Jesus reside in my heart, my family, my house, my church as a center. And number three, we are to receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior who is God, the Son. Why? Because Jesus is the greatest gift of our Lord to the world. Do you remember the verse in uh, verse 11? He came to his own, but his own people received him not. But verse 12 continues with just wonderful promise, not only for the for the Jewish for Gentiles like you and me. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So believing in Jesus and receiving Jesus is equated. 
So how, how do I receive Jesus today? Put your trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Every single one of us has a heart, the control center, that you are the captain of your soul. Surrender the seat and confess or admit that you're a sinner. Sinner doesn't mean that only that you did X, Y, and Z. Sinner, in, in essence, rebellion against God. Rebellion in a passive way, living indifferently as if you could live without him forever. You cannot. That death will awaits for you. Eternal damnation awaits for you if you die physically without Christ. Active rebellion is going against the will of God to live a debauchery life and prideful life as if you are the God of the universe, the center of the universe. You're basically receiving requires that we surrender that center. Thank you. Humbly and gladly receive that free gift. I hope this verse lingers in your head all throughout this week so that you will continually have Christmas even though Christmas is all gone. Even when you're taking down Christmas decoration, Christmas tree, and when you put away Christmas lights, Christmas stays with you. Steadfast love and faithfulness of the Lord stay with you. I close with Martin Lloyd-Jones' quote. It's, um, very straightforward, quite pointy. It's, sometimes it will hurt, but it's a truth that our generation needs to hear. He writes, If you do not believe in the unique deity of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are not a Christian, whatever else you may be. We are not looking for a good man only. We are not interested in merely in the greatest teacher the world has ever seen. We are face to face with the fact that God, the eternal Son, has been in this world and that he took upon human nature and dwelt among us. A man amongst men, God-man. We are face to face with the mystery and the marvel of the incarnation and of, virgin, of the virgin birth. It is all here, and it shines out in all the fullness of its amazing glory. What manner of man is this? He is more than a man. That is the answer. He is also God. Would you receive him? Would you adore and worship him? Because he is God the Son who deserves 
our gravity and gladness in worship. Merry Christmas to each one of you and your family. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for your word, the clarity and depth of your word. John 1.14 wakes us up from the preferies of the Christmas glory. Good things that takes away from the center of that true glory of Christmas. Our heart is, hearts are warm now as you are drawing near through this passage. May our Christmas season from this point on today and tomorrow as we get together our family and extended family and friends and every day in 365 days in a year May we experience steadfast love and faithfulness of the Lord by having Christmas in our hearts, in our families, in our church, in our cities. Not just merely celebrating. In the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.